The following is a recording from ACF Church in Eagle River, Alaska. If you would like to join us on a Sunday morning, we would love to have you be our guest. Service times are 9 and 11 a.m. We hope you'd consider partnering in the work God is doing here by joining a life group, serving, and giving. If you would like to give financially to the mission of ACF Church, you can safely give by texting a donation amount to 907-341-4213. Now prepare your hearts to hear God's Word. Welcome to ACF Church, you guys. My name is Brian. One of the pastors here. I'm glad that you're here. You guys glad to be alive? Glad to be at church? Super Bowl Sunday? I am so glad that you're here. Um, it's an exciting day. I'm excited about the commercials. That's all I'm excited about. So uh, great commercials separated by football. Um, but uh, anyway, we are glad that you're here. If you're new today, I want to welcome you to ACF uh, just to be part of our family and part of our community this morning. Uh, we are in a series called The Code, and it's just we want to start off our year by sort of rewiring our hearts and the way that we make decisions, the way that we see the world and the way that we live our lives. And so that's what The Code is all about is is what do we use to, to determine what we do in our lives? What's the code that you live by? And each week we're going through a different code that we live by as a church. And uh, the first week was simply this. It's all about Jesus. Uh, It's not about us. We're here to make him famous. The second week was simply the first and the best. Every moment is filled with divine potential. And we want to be using every moment for the kingdom and for its full potential. And the third week was we kneel before we fight, right? We talked last week about Joshua. He sees this man with a sword, gets scared, goes to the ground and worships him because he's Jesus. And so it's this idea of submitting to him. And this week, our code is we are an outbreak of honor. We honor our leaders, those we lead, and those who walk through life with us. Have you guys seen the mean tweets before? It's, it's this funny to watch. It's kind of amusing and kind of convicting all at once, right? Because you're thinking, who says things like that? Why would you feel like you want to... It's one thing to say it in your house, in your living room. It's another thing to tweet it online where anybody can see it. Um, and it's just, it makes you think, what are the things that we do when we're hiding behind our computer screens? You know, we just feel empowered to say what we want, do whatever we want. And there are real people on the other end. And, uh, you know, it's funny when, when you're a kid, my kids, they don't have any filter. You know, sometimes you have to like put your hand over their mouths because you're like, don't say that. Uh, they just don't have a filter. They don't know what's appropriate to say, what's nice to say, or they just say what they feel. It just comes out. And then we get older. And as we get older, we should develop a filter. But many of us don't actually develop that filter. I don't know if it's a genetic thing or what, but something happens. We don't develop a filter to be able to determine what we say. Um, you know, and I'm convinced that we all have a right to an opinion. You all have a right to your opinions. I just don't think you always need to share them. You know, I, I don't think we have to say what we feel all the time. You know, it's not. And then we say things like, well, I'm just saying, you know, which is code for I'm going to say whatever I want to, but I'm just saying, or, you know, I love it when people come up to me and they say, no offense, but, you know, and you just brace yourself because you know, it's coming. It's like, well, I'm going to be offended. So you might as well just come out with it. Uh, You know, we we say things to protect us, but the reality is sometimes we speak, sometimes we do things that don't honor other people. And today what we want to do is identify what does it actually mean to be honorable? Where does honor fit in our society? Where does it fit in our lives personally? And then how do we apply it 
every day. And so we're going to be hanging out in Luke chapter 14. And this passage I felt like spoke so clearly to this. And, and uh, I've been convicted by this parable that Jesus tells about the wedding feast all week long. And so if you want to open up your Bibles and follow along with us, that would be great. If you don't have a Bible, you can take the Bible in front of you and you can take that home with you if you need a Bible or download an app, a, like a version Bible app. And I always encourage you guys, just start a note on your iPhone or whatever you've got or, or page to write notes uh, from Sunday morning. You can take those th- things home with you and be applying them throughout your week. But Luke chapter 14, verse 7, let's read God's word together. It says, now he told a parable to those who were invited. So Jesus, he's sitting at a table with these Pharisees. He says, he told a a parable to them when he noticed how they chose the places of honor, saying to them, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. But when you're invited, go and sit in the lowest place so that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled and he who humbles himself will be exalted. So great passage, very countercultural, very convicting. Jesus here, he says, listen, you think that you're by putting yourself at the front of the table, you are honoring yourself. Actually, you're setting yourself up for shame. Um, have you ever felt really honored by somebody? Just lifted up by somebody? You know, when you maybe you didn't deserve it or somebody just out of the blue honored you and it just it it fed your soul somehow. Uh, my, my father-in-law, Cliff, he's a diesel repair guy and he owns a shop there in Cheyenne, Wyoming. And he's uh, he's been running it for years and years and years in this past year. Um, they had some conflicts with the property and some things they were thinking about changing. And, um, he had some decisions to make as to what to do with the shop. Wasn't sure if he was going to sell it, get out of the business completely, maybe relocate. And there were a few things to, to decide. And so I get this random call one day from Cliff and he says, Hey, Brian, I, I just wanted to check in with you. I've got some things coming with the shop and I wanted to ask your opinion about selling the shop, about keeping it. Um, should we, should we get rid of it? What do you think? What would be the best thing to do with our family business? And man, I felt so honored. I mean, I'm just the son-in-law, you know, I got no skin in this game. I haven't worked. They've worked their entire lives to build this company, you know? And, and so he calls me up and he asks me what I think he should do with his company, you know? And in that moment I was like, why would you even ask? But I just thought, man, what, what an honor to be welcomed into that process, to be welcomed into that decision making. And as we talked, it was interesting as he was talking with me, he shared, you know, he'd been talking to different people. He had actually gone to his pastor and, and he said, hey, what should I do with my business so that I can best support the church in the next few years? Would it be better to sell it? Would it be better to keep it? Should I continue here or move there? And I'm like, who does that? You know, who, who calls their pastor and is like, what do I do with my business? It was, it was so weird. But then I, I got off the phone. And I'm like, wow, he's just honoring people. He's honoring the leaders in his life. And he's honoring the people in his life. And he's honoring me as his son-in-law who didn't do anything to deserve it. You know, and I felt... I just felt so lifted up by my father-in-law and just, you know, it builds respect, doesn't it? When somebody honors you, you just, you're grateful for it, you know, and it it builds respect in you. And, um, can you think of a moment when you were dishonored? 
like already today, maybe on the way to church, or you're dishonored by your kids or by your husband or, you know, somebody in your life sent you an email and you're like, ah, that was not honorable. Um, I, mean, I think we can all think of moments that we were dishonored. Um, when I first got into ministry, uh, I was I've always kind of been the young guy in ministry. I'm probably one of the youngest, if not the youngest senior pastor in the area. Um, but I've always been the young guy, just getting into things and God's given me opportunities to, to be in ministries. And I've kind of been like, okay, let's, let's take these opportunities as they come. And so I had gotten licensed as a pastor. I had just gotten out of college and I was working at this church and they licensed me. So I'm officially like recognized by the state as a pastor. And so they, they announced it at church and this older gentleman came up to me afterwards and he, he walks up and shakes my hand and he says, you will never be my pastor. I was like, oh, it broke my heart. You know, I was like, oh, thanks, man. I appreciate that. And then I'm getting mad. You know, I'm like, well, it's, it's good for both of us. I don't want to be your pastor anyway. You know, and I just start <laughs> defending myself and I want to, you know, it's just what we do. We, we get and then when we get dishonored, right, we respond with dishonor, right? When you feel dishonored, you give dishonor. And so I just, I felt dishonored. And so I just felt really angry with this guy. I wanted to defend myself and prove something to the world, you know. And if you're young, you know, you got something to prove to the world. And man, that gets you in a lot of trouble. So anyway, that was kind of, I felt dishonor and I felt honor in my life. And today we want to be agents of honor. We want to be people who honor each other. Honor is simply this, to revere to worship or hold in awe or to hold at a high value or a high price. That's what honor is. So today it's we are an outbreak of honor. We honor our leaders, those we lead, and those who walk through life with us. This is the code that we live by as a church. And let me pray for us as we start. Jesus, thank you for your word. Thank you for all the ways that you bless us, for all the things that we don't even see in our lives that sustain us and keep us going. God, we thank you for our families and our friends. We thank you for this place that we can freely gather in your name uh, without fear, God, and we can just learn and grow together. I pray for those in the room today that are far from you, that are maybe just checking out church for the first time or trying to decide what they think about you. God, I pray that you would show them something authentic in you, that you would just pour your grace into their lives and that they would know that you are loving and caring, God, and that you're here to, uh, to show them a better life. And a better life for all of us. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. So again, you can follow along in your Bibles. You might have gotten an insert on the way into the church. Or you can might write some notes on your iPhone or Android. Just uh, Luke chapter 14 is where we're going to spend a little bit of time. So honor in our culture. Would you say that honor is valued in our culture? Yes? No? Sort of? A little bit? Honor is an interesting... I, I feel like it's kind of an outdated idea. In our culture, and I ran across this this quote from this guy Peter Berger in uh, 1970. He wrote this essay about honor, and I thought this is interesting. He says honor occupies the same place in contemporary culture as chastity. An individual asserting it hardly invites admiration, and one who claims to have lost it is an object of amusement rather than apathy. At best, honor and chastity are seen as ideological leftovers in the consciousness of obsolete classes. So we have outgrown honor. It's not something the world needs anymore. It's not something we need. And just like the idea of chastity, which I'm not going to go into, don't worry. Uh, we, we might at some point, but not today. But just like that idea of chastity, 
Honor is something that's sort of outdated and not something that has any value or has any place within our culture, which which is just kind of kind of brutal in our country. I don't know if you look around and you see people acting in honor. Man, I see a lot of dishonor. I see dishonor within leadership. I just see dishonor within those who are being led. And we just we just spew discontent. Sometimes it's it's this way of being dishonorable. And so this concept of honor, I feel, has kind of been traded for this idea of respect. You guys get respect, right? You, you, you want respect. I think our society values respect. Respect is something that I think is actually uh, all over our culture today. But we like respect a lot. So think of somebody you respect. Maybe a coach. Maybe it's maybe a teacher that invested in you at one point, a parent or a, a friend of yours or a pastor or a leader, somebody that you respect. And you respect them probably because they've done something. Maybe their lifestyle denotes respect or something they did once brings respect on them. Whatever it is, the way that they live, something about their personality, you say, man, I really respect that person. And the reason we like respect is because I think we're in control. I like respect because respect is all driven by my perspective on you. You know, if you do something respectable, I'll give you respect. If you don't seem respectable in my eyes, then I will take away respect and I won't have respect for you. And so we like respect because we are in control. So the difference, I think, between honor and respect is respect is earned. Honor is given. Respect is earned. It's something that you have to like here gain my respect. If you're my boss, you need to earn my respect. And then there's honor, which is given. And it's either given based on their worthiness or our grace. Either they have done something that makes them a person who needs honor or, or should get honor. Or I'm just so gracious, I'm going to elevate them like my father-in-law did with me. He honored me when I didn't do anything to deserve it. I did nothing to earn it. He just lifted me up and said, I'm going to honor you by inviting you into this into this process. And so the Pharisees in Jesus day, they loved honor. They just, they wanted honor. It was all about who is sitting highest, you know, who is, who's got the best seat at the table. And they, they wanted their honor. And so that they would test each other. They would test Jesus many times. You know, there's this whole conversation he has about healing on the Sabbath in Mark three. And he says, they said, would you heal on the Sabbath, Jesus? And he redirects and even redefines for them what it means to be an honorable person. So the Pharisees, they loved honor and they would test each other. My grandfather, he later in his life, he had caretakers in in his house. And he was kind of one of those guys that didn't necessarily trust everybody, you know, and so when they would come to the house, he had multiple caretakers that had come through. One of the first things he would do would, would be to leave money on the countertop. And he'd do it on purpose. He'd leave it there all day long and he'd see if it walked off, you know. And it was his way of going, okay, if this person steals my dollar bill from the countertop, what else are they going to steal? And, and uh, he, he went through a bunch of caretakers, actually. So, I mean, maybe it worked. I don't know. But he was, he was testing their honor. We want to know, are you honorable? Can I trust you? Are you somebody who's going to act in honor? Historically, as we look at honor in the Bible, honor could be ascribed or acquired. Ascribed or acquired. It was either ascribed, you'd, you'd done something, uh, or you, you had, you'd just been given honor, it was ascribed to you because maybe your family, maybe you were born in the right place at the right time. For the Pharisees, it was all about genealogies. And so they studied, you know, what, what's your family line? Where did you come from? Because if you came from the right family line, you might be a person 
of honor. Or it could be acquired. You might have done something worthy of honor. Or maybe I'm just going to give you honor because I'm a gracious person. So Jesus, he's at dinner with the Pharisees. He's sitting at the table. They're kind of trying to back him into a corner. He says, hey, let me tell you a story about you guys for a second. In verse 8, he says, when you are invited by someone to a wedding feast, do not sit down in a place of honor, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invited you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. And then you will begin with shame to take the lowest place. And so at an ancient meal like this, what they would have been doing is sitting at a, at a big table and it would have been shaped sort of like a U, a big U shaped table. And, and the host would sit at the bottom of the U. And that was the place of honor. And so the best seats in the house were on either side of the host. These were the honored guests at the, ho- at the home. And so, and, and the interesting thing about their culture is if you were an honored guest at a meal or at a wedding feast, you would show up late. It just was part of their customs. You would show up late to a party, which would set somebody up for a huge party foul, right? Because you walk into a crowded room and you see a couple of open seats and what are you going to do? Go sit in the open seats, right? And if you didn't know what was going on here, if you didn't realize your place, then you might find yourself in a position, in a position of shame. He says, yeah, he says, lest someone more distinguished than you be invited by him. And he who invites you both will come and say to you, give your place to this person. Or it could be acquired. In verse 10 it says, but, that, but when you are invited, go and sit in the lowest place. So that when your host comes, he may say to you, friend, move up higher. Then you will be honored in the presence of all who sit at the table with you. For everyone who exalts himself will be humbled. And he who humbles himself will be exalted. So here's kind of this, here, here's what it's sort of like. Can you think back to your wedding if you're married? So typical wedding, if we had it in this room, um, we'd have... The, the house would be packed, right? And then you'd save a couple rows up front. And, the, and I don't know if you know this, but the rows up front at church are the, the seats of honor. So well done. Front row people sitting up front. It's the, I'm just kidding. They're the seats of honor. So at a wedding, the front rows are the seats of honor. You've, you've, you've saved these seats typically uh, for family. So can you imagine you show up late to this wedding? It's like two minutes before it starts, which is just bad anyway. And so you walk in the back door and the place is jam-packed. There's no seats anywhere. But what, what, do, you, what do you see? Empty seats at the front. And you just think, oh, that's awesome. Look at this. Seats up front. Why didn't anybody else sit there? And so you go walking up front and you sit and you just kind of lounge out. And you're like, yeah, best seats in the house. This is awesome. So the wedding starts, you know, and the music starts playing, you know. And, and ushers start bringing in people. And then here comes Granny, right? And she's got her little walker, and she's walking up with the usher. And, and Granny gets up, and she gets right up next to you, and the usher taps you on the shoulder, and he says, That's Granny's seat. Would you move? She needs to sit. She's, she's very old. You need to move. And then you have to look up at him, and you need to stand up, and the entire room is staring at you. And you walk the walk of shame to the back of the room and you you probably walk out the doors and you probably walk to your car because you don't want to be seen by anybody. You're just embarrassed. You know that you just totally did a, a, a horrible party foul here by sitting in granny's seat and, and everybody kind of, you know, the, the shame look like, uh-uh, mm-hmm. I don't know what you were thinking on the way back out of the room. That's what he's talking about here. You set yourself up for shame. You set yourself up for dishonor by taking the best seat 
in the house. I don't know if this is you. I don't know if this like rings a chord with your soul, but it does with me. As I look at my life, I feel like I can take the best seat in the house sometimes. I feel like when I walk into a room, I can kind of elevate myself. Or as I look at the way that I live my life, am I here to serve others? Or am I just living a life of pride? Is it just all about me? Is everybody here sort of a big part of my story? Everybody's here to serve me. And maybe it comes out in different ways in your life. Like if you're at Walmart and you're in the back of the line and then the checker comes up and she opens the, you know, the lane next to you, what do you do? It's like a race all out, like throwing elbows and pushing carts and it's collision to get into the next one. Or are you, are you like, eh, go ahead, you know, no worries. Or are you the person in traffic who's, you know, honking and riding up the shoulder and passing everybody? Because what you have to do is more important than what anybody else has to do. You know, I mean, are you the kind of person that takes the best seat in the house, grabs the seat, go save the seats, get the seats for you? You know, are you the kind of person that sees a need, sees somebody else and says, oh, you know, here, here you first. This is convicting for me. I don't know if it's convicting for you. Jesus isn't just teaching about dinner etiquette. There is a deep soul lesson to be learned within this. So who should we honor? We said in our code, we honor our leaders. We honor our leaders. The classic passage is Romans 13. It says this. It says, let... Every person be subject to the governing authorities, for there is no authority except from God, and those that exist have been inspired or instituted by God. So, ouch. It's one of our least favorite passages. If you speed or if you cheat on your taxes, you're like, ah, you know, the government. And uh, I would, as I look at our society, people are pretty negative about the government. And I know people that, if, man, if you open that, if you crack that door of that conversation, you're going to be there a while. You know, it is going to be gripe fest 2015 about the government because we have issues with the government. And so I, I get this. It's not it's not a perfect system or maybe it's your maybe it's your job. I don't know what the authorities are at your work. And so when you get to the water cooler or when it's lunch break, you go out with your buddies and you just gripe about your boss because he is screwing it up. He's not doing it right. You could do it better. You know, you could, but you don't want to because you know you'd rather have more spare time on your hands and so you don't but you know you could tell him how to do it better and so you you just complain about it you know or maybe maybe as, as a wife you go home or you in, in your husband is is making bad decisions and so as you you go out with your friends and you're just griping about your husband and he didn't make this choice right and he's doing that wrong and so you we start spewing dissension and, and i know some of you live in this sort of negativity I know some of you live in workplaces where you, this is a struggle for you to not partake in this, to not just become an agent of negativity in your workplace, you know, or maybe it's the church. Maybe you, you struggle with the church and you have issues with the system. I'll tell you, <laughs> the one thing they always used to write on my report card was Brian has issues with authority. So I'm with you. I, I'm with you. And, and as a millennial, this next generation, I mean, we are more suspicious of authority, I think, than any uh, man. It's just I feel like it's getting worse and worse. If you are in charge, then I am suspicious of you. And, and that's that's pretty tough. And one of the toughest things is when you go from criticizing leadership to becoming a leader. That's scary. Uh, let me tell you, that is scary. Um, so I'm like three months into leading at this church. So it's scary. It is scary because. 
as you look up from the bottom, we always think we could do it better. And, and so here's the deal. I think we're supposed to honor the government right up until the point that it conflicts with God's call in your life. Right up until the point where in some way it causes you to do something that is sinful or wrong. And at that point, we have to have a conversation. But up to that point, there's going to be a lot of things that we experience within our society that we're like, okay, man, I'm going to, I'm just going to honor that. I'm just going to try to drive the speed limit. You know, I'm just, I'm going to try to honor the police when they pull me over, even though he gave me a ticket for only going four miles an hour over, which is still speeding. I'm going to be, I'm going to be honorable even in that moment. You know, I mean, it's, it's hard depending on your story. If you've seen people in authority over you abuse your authority, then you are suspicious and you struggle giving honor to people in authority over you. But here's what that does. It doesn't mean that you don't speak when you need to speak. It doesn't mean that we can't be agents of change. I believe that the church can be an agent of, of change within a broken society, just like Jesus was. But do you see how Jesus changed the, the government in the world? He just went and loved people. He healed people. He preached the good news of the gospel. It was, it was very counter to what they thought he would come as. In fact, that was part of the reason they didn't think he was the Messiah. Because he didn't come as this political ruler. He just came as a man, as a suffering servant. That's how he changed the world. You think we can do that? Yeah, I think the church can do that. And I think there's a time to speak up. And I think there are things that we need to vote for that are, are good things to vote for. I think we can be agents of change. But, you know, there is an honorable way and a dishonorable way to be an agent of change in our society. You know, I mean, there are rednecks out in the bush of Alaska that think all you need is a six pack of beer and a 30 out six and you can change the government. But there are more honorable ways. And it's messy. It's 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 a long process. It's a messy process. It takes time. But I, I think I think we can do it. I think we can cause change to happen within our within our society so we honor those who lead us we also honor those we lead this way this may be hard for you you may feel like well i have pulled myself up by my bootstraps i have earned my position of authority i have worked hard and i remember all the time that i spent getting walked on by somebody else and so now that i'm in charge i'm going to let them earn their stripes you know that's easy to be in that place but then Man, I, I read Ephesians 2, 6. It says, and God raised us up with him and seated us with him in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. And so many other verses speak to this idea that that you were never raised up on your own, that if you think that you earned anything in this world on your own, you actually didn't. The intellect you have to make money and to get your job, the, the physical strength that you have that God gave you where you were born. You didn't cause yourself to be born within this country to have the opportunities that you've had within the family that you were given. Even the even the motivation that you had to come out of a horrible situation. Maybe you felt like you were set up to fail, but you had motivation to earn your way out of it. Even that we see in Scripture is God's work in your life. That's a gift from him. That's motivation from him. Even in the end, you didn't pull yourself up by your bootstraps. Jesus reached down and pulled you up out of the mud. That's different, right? That is different. And that's a different place when you see the people that are below you. Now it's like, oh, I don't step on them. I don't walk all over them. I honor them. I want to show them what Jesus did for me. I I elevate them. I lift them up. Maybe it's your children. Maybe it's your employees. Maybe, Maybe it's your students. You know, if you're a coach, maybe it's all the all the kids that you're coaching on your team, whatever it may be. But you're you're here to honor them, to lift them up. And I'll tell you this. People will rise up to the honor that you give them. 
it's funny how this works. You think, man, if I just hold them down enough, they're going to push up and they're going to they're going to finally excel at what they do when actually people respond really well to honor. In fact, people, it's funny, you give somebody honor who doesn't do anything to deserve it and they will they will rise up to that. Like, Oh, OK, maybe maybe I could do better. Maybe I am better than I th- or maybe maybe there are opportunities out there maybe there's possibilities and I can be used for greater things and maybe I do have a place here and it's funny how that works so honor those you lead and the last is this and those who walk through life with us who are your peers who is next to you in this walk who can you honor that is walking right next to your co-workers your friends who is it that's on equal ground with you and what's, what's hard here is if you're always working to get to the top, if you're, if you're always pushing your way to the front, then you're going to step on some people in the process. You know, if it's between you and the person next to you, it's always going to be you, you know, and you're going to step on people and it's going to be hard. And so we're here to honor those who are next to us. So here's the thing. At this point, I think we all have this question. I, as I was wrestling through this, I had this question. What about dishonorable people? So what about a system that's broken? What about people in my life that, Brian, are you seriously telling me this person should get honored? That person should get honored. They are not an honorable person. Is, is showing honor showing approval? Is that what that means? If you honor someone, does that mean you approve of their behavior? It's kind of like, you know, so I'll honor my parents when they let me borrow the car, you know, or I'll honor the police if they only give me a warning. You know, or I'll honor my husband if he becomes a good dad or I'll honor my wife if she is a good mom or I'll honor my friends if they invite me to their Super Bowl party, which you have not yet. So I just want to tell you, Jesus, he treated the undignified with dignity and he honored the dishonorable. That's convicting to me. He ate with prostitutes and sinners. He healed the sinful. He gave food to the greedy. You know, when he's making food and feeding all these people, he didn't filter through them. And, hey, you're, a, you're an honorable person. Let me give some food to you. You're kind of a jerk. No food for you. You know, I mean, he didn't, he didn't play that game. He just gave them food. He just honored them, lifted them up, lift their spirits. I mean, sometimes all it takes is just giving somebody some food. They feel honored. See, to honor someone does not mean that we're blind to their weaknesses or their issues. It, it means that we make a, a choice to express their value in not just what they do, but in who they are. That people have value as human beings. And whenever you struggle to honor somebody, I want to tell you, everybody has one attribute worth honoring, and that's that they all bear the image of God. Everybody bears the image of God. The most dishonorable jerk in your life bears the image of God. And in that way, we are to honor them. Because in the end, honor and this whole sermon is ultimately about one thing, and that's love. Honor is about love. It's about loving each other, and it's about loving God. So you know what happens is that then we change how we give out honor. When we realize the love that God has given us, we just start giving honor to people. Start giving food to people. We start serving people, loving people. When we realize our place, and this whole thing is really about, the whole story about the wedding feast is realizing who you are. 
in setting yourself up for success. You know, if you set yourself up by trying to push yourself forward, people are going to push you back down. But if you place yourself at the back and you just serve, you will be honored, Jesus says. It's, it's so countercultural. It does not make sense in our minds. I mean, think about it today. Like, so Super Bowl Sunday, you got your team. You're rooting for your team. Now, if you're like, my team's the best, your team stinks, and you're just like, ha- you know, hammering on the other team all day long. Well, two things can happen. If your team wins, everybody still hates you because you were such a jerk, you know? If your team loses, you better shut off all social media for like the next six months because you're going to hear about it. Either way, you are not setting yourself up to be honored in the end, you know? It's, it's, it's just like that. So we as the church need to develop a culture of honor. Here's some verses. Proverbs 10, 12 says, Hatred stirs up strife, but love covers all offenses. Proverbs 17, 9, Whoever covers an offense seeks love, but he who repeats a matter separates close friends. 1 Peter 4, 8, Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love covers a multitude of sins. See, when you lack love for somebody, consider the love of God and then honor them. Because in the end, it's all about honoring God. In the end, you need to know this, that whoever's an authority above you is not the final authority. Amen? I don't care who they are. Everyone on this earth has a boss. God is our boss. God oversees all things. And in the end, by honoring those in authority above you, you honor God himself. And you set yourself up to be honored. So here's what we're going to do. As a church, we want to be a church of honor. We want to honor people within this church. There are people in this church that serve constantly. They serve you. They're serving you right now. And so I just kind of I want to honor a few of them real quick. In fact, so Dwayne, would you kill the lights? And we're going to start some music. And here's the deal. We're going to clap and we're going to honor some people and we're going to lift them up because they serve us. And so we're going to serve them by honoring them with our applause and with our shouting. And so here's the first first person. Let's put them up there. Yeah. So this is this is Rachel. Rachel served for eight years as a bus driver for the African Children's Choir. She serves in Illuminate Kids like every week, leading kids in worship. She's a breakaway high school leader. She's at almost every single event, just serving and helping people. She loves the kids and the students in our church. Give it up for Rachel Torkelson. Okay, next. Next on the list. All right. This man, he's a father of three and a husband to one. His wife, Emily, and he serve on the worship team almost every week. They're always serving here. They lead a life group. He holds the record for, I think, the largest life group at ACF Church. John Bolstridge is also leading up our life group ministry. And uh, he is he actually spent his New Year's week pounding nails into this very stage. So give it up for John Bolstridge. Bam. Okay, our last person. She's so sweet. It's uh, 
This is Emily, and so she's a teacher at a Title I school. She is always here saying hello to you on Sunday morning. She's serving coffee. She's greeting. She's a captain on our First Impressions team. And uh, she just brings a smile to everyone Sunday morning. Give it up for Emily Smith. Woo! All right, give it up for your ACF honorees. Huh. Yeah, it's church. Okay, so what just happened? You know, like I was kind of zoning out. I was watching the scores of, you know, there's no scores. Probably no games going on. But I was watching my phone and uh, you just did this weird thing. So here's the deal. There are so many people that serve in our church and they're so graciously here every week. Um, I could bring many up here. We'd be all here all day long honoring people within our church. And, and so we just want to be a culture of honor. The beauty of these three people is they hated every second of that. That's why we chose them. They hated that. They don't want to do that. That's not the kind of people they were, you know? And so that's, what's beautiful, isn't it? I mean, who wants to, well, I guess the, the thing is in our culture, we do love this, like give me honor. And we go, Woo! man, how does that guy live at night? You know? And it's just hard. It's hard. And so the thing is, we don't want to remove honor because we're afraid that it's going to go to their heads. We want to be people who give honor and give it rightfully and give it well. And so we honor those people. But the thing is, there, there might be somebody in this room here right now who's like, why didn't he, why didn't he invite me up? You know, why not me? Why, this is the sermons for you. This is what this is all about. It's not about elevating yourself. It's not about being the person that goes up front. It's not about that. You know, we're just, we are so proud it's just ingrained in our souls to push ourselves forward, to be like, hey, where's my attaboy? You know, where's my where's my applause? Come on. I do a lot around here, you know, and so we we're always jockeying for position and trying to get our way to the front. You know, maybe the kind of person you, you want to be in charge. You want to be in authority because you're going to change things and you're going to make it all better. Man, it's harder. It's harder than that. Jesus says. Those who exalt themselves will be hum- humbled and those who are humbled, will be exalted. And so there are a few things here, a few ways that I think we can be an outbreak of honor this week. Number one is this, do something for them. Do something for them. Here's what that means. I'm always caught in these moments in my family where like my kids are asking me to do things or my wife's asking me to do things that I don't get. It doesn't make sense to me. I don't want to do it. I don't get it. And so my rule is I will, I will submit. I will listen when I get it, you know? Did anybody play that game? Once you make sense of this to me, I will listen, but not until then. It's not honorable. It's not the way we honor each other. And so there are moments where my wife, she, she wants to go buy something at the store, and I'm like, we don't need that. <sighs> okay, just get it, you know. It's in the budget. It's fine. Go get it. doesn't make any sense to me. My kids, they, they want me to play on the floor with them. I don't like to play on the floor. Am I, am I a bad dad? I don't know. I don't like to just... <laughs> roll around on the floor with my kids. I get home and I'm tired and my brain's fried. I just want to sit in front of the TV. I feel like I have earned it. Anybody ever just feel like you've earned your laziness? Like I just, I deserve this. And so I want to sit there. And then my kids, they just need, they need a moment with dad. They need some time. And so I just, I play with them and it's just, it's so good when I do it. I'm always working in the garage. I'm working on projects. And Grayson, he's three. He just turned three yesterday. And he loves to work in the garage. And if you've ever worked in the garage, 
with a three-year-old, you know that is not good. It's a mess. And he, every bolt is everywhere. All the tools are pulled out of the toolbox and things are falling over. And so I, I try to, I try to wrangle him in. So I set him up on top of the motor the other day, like while I'm working on it, he's kind of sitting there and he reaches over and grabs a screwdriver. And I turn around and look back and he's got like the screwdriver and the radiator and he's pounding <laughs> holes into the radiator and he's looking at me and he's pounding holes. And I'm like, ah, oh, this doesn't make any sense. Why am I doing this to myself? You know? Sometimes we just do things that honor other people and help other people. And sometimes we just do. They don't make sense to us, but in that way, we will lift them up. Number two, listen better. Just be a better listener. Stop talking. Stop being. You don't have to be the agent of truth in every situation. You don't have to be the one that speaks up in every situation. Sometimes we just need to listen Proverbs says, even a fool looks wise if he keeps his mouth shut. You know, we have a lot to learn from that. Sometimes we just need to keep our mouths shut and we will look wise. Hooray. Just keep our mouths shut. And in that way, we can honor people. Here's the deal. Stop gossiping. Stop telling stories with your friends. You don't need to do it. If they're not part of the problem or the solution, they don't need to be part of the conversation, right? And so stop having the talk. If you're around the water cooler, do you think it's making it better for you all to share about how much your job stinks. You think that's making your job any better? It's not. Just don't, don't play it. Don't, don't be part of that game. Don't, don't participate in it. Maybe you need to write the email, the scathing email to that person that's driving you crazy or to your boss or whoever it is. And then you need to delete it. Because don't send emails to people. Have conversations with people. Maybe you need to write the text and get all crazy on your text and use a lot of little, you know, emoticons about how angry you are. And then you can delete it and just get rid of it. Sometimes it's kind of therapeutic to write things out and then get rid of them. Because sometimes keeping your mouth shut is the best thing. And so can I ask for that? Yeah, I think that sometimes I just need to keep my mouth shut. I know that. Number three, speak value into people. Speak value into people. There are people in your life that are just just starving to feel like they're needed, to just starving to feel like what they do matters and has some value. And like I said earlier, when you feed people honor and you lift them up and you give them value, man, people rise up to that. It's amazing. And they will respect you. It's funny. You give honor to somebody. How much respect grew in my heart for my father-in-law when he honored me? Right? I'm like, I have respect for you. You think you think he could have gotten that by trying to force himself to force honor to be like, hey, you will listen to me and you'll do what I tell you to do. You think I would have honored him more? Nope. That's not how it works. Not how people work. Speak value into people. Maybe you go through the drive through after church here and you get your nasty, greasy burger and you say, thanks for making lunch for me, you know, to the person. And this nasty burger that's going to clog my arteries at least, you know, and they, they, they just threw it in oil and microwaved your burger or whatever. That's all they did. But they made you lunch and that's valuable. And, and tell them that they did something that matters to you. Maybe it's your coworker and you tell your coworker, listen, we could not do this without you. I don't know what we do if you weren't here, but I'm so glad that you're here. You are essential to this team or tell your kids. I learn a lot from you. Have you ever told your children that you learn a lot from them? Because do you learn a lot from your kids? You know you learn a lot from your kids. And you need to tell them that. That doesn't take you out of your place of authority as parents to tell your kids that you learn a lot from them. Just like it doesn't take you out of your place of authority to just apologize to your kids. That's hard for us. Man, I just remember having long conversations with a man about that. Like we want to be people who can apologize to our children. 
It only elevates you. It only raises your position of honor. Maybe it's telling your teacher, your kid's teacher, that, or your teacher or your kid's teacher that they're valued. We went to a parent-teacher conference with Cadence. She was like in first grade. And uh, so that we were the last one on the list for the whole day. And so the teacher, she's just like <laughs> drained. You know, she's dealing with parents and they're complaining. I'm like, what do you have to complain about when your kid's a first grader? I mean, seriously, there's not enough crayons in the desk. I don't know what you complain about with a first grader. But, you know, we walk in there and she kind of walks through the stuff with our daughter. And I just end and I said, thanks so much for the time that you spend with my daughter. You actually probably spend more time with my daughter in a week than I do. And that means what you do really matters. And so thank you. And she just breaks down in tears and just starts crying because she realized from a parent that she mattered and that she did something valuable. I honored her. She's here to tell us, you know, sort of the, you know, we're the customers, what what's going on with the kids. And, and we honored her and she just she she just really appreciated that. So tell somebody that they are. Valuable. Number four, treat your friends and family as guests. Treat your friends and your family as guests. How many of you guys know that your friends and your family often get the worst of you? Right? I mean, it's like, why do the people that we spend the, you know, our entire lives with get the absolute worst of us? I think of that in my marriage. I think of that in my friendships. You ever end up in a conversation with a, you know, a close family member or a friend and you think, I would never talk to anybody else in my life this way. Only my wife or my kids or my friend because they're going to put up with it, you know? And so we take it for granted. What if we treated them like guests? What if we treated them like guests in our home? Uh, Travis Talbot, he's on staff here, our communication director. He's normally up here opening up. He told me a story the other day about him and his wife. One of the commitments that they had made was early on in their marriage, they had seen how people were getting married. And then after a year or two, they'd sort of kind of throw all the dating and all the, um, I don't know, trying to be ready for each other out of the window. You know, when you used to have your girlfriend or boyfriend coming over and you, you know, kind of do a little makeup and try to, you know, cover up the stink a little bit, you know, and put on some decent clothes. And I mean, you want to look presentable for them, just like you would if a guest shows up. You're like, oh, my hair is not done, whatever. And then you get married, you get used to, you get comfortable and you just hang out on the couch and, you know, you, you got your shirt hung open and you're just watching a show, you know, with a drink in your hand and your wife's walking around and she's got no makeup on or her hair's on. It's, it's life, right? It's just life. And that's okay. And so he, it was funny as he's talking, he's like, we don't want to get rid of comfort. We know we need to be comfort, comfortable. We need to relax around each other and that's okay. But when we come home from work, we're not going to dress down for each other. So during the week, we're going to come home and we're going to try to kind of keep the standard high for how we look for each other and for how we interact with each other, just like we would if we had guests over. And I thought, man, that really spoke to me, that we could do that with the people that we love. In fact, shouldn't we do it most with the people that we love the most? And so I thought that was a simple way of just treating family as guests. Number five, clear the air. Clear the air. I talked earlier about keeping our mouths shut. Sometimes the most honorable thing to do is to speak, to say what you need to say, and to say it in an honorable way. And, and in our relationships, one of the major things we need to do is be maintaining those things. And have you had somebody drop out of a friendship or stop talking with you because, you know, for some reason that you, they've never told you, you just stopped getting the phone calls, you stopped hearing from them, and all of a sudden you realize, man, I haven't heard from Bill in like 
three months. What happened to that guy? And he's got some issue with you that you haven't heard about. Sometimes you just need to clear the air. That's a great way to honor your wife or your husband or a friend of yours or somebody who's hurt you. If you value the relationship, you want to honor it. And if you want to honor it, you're going to clear the air. So have the conversation. Set up an appointment. Maybe you just need to go watch the game today, finish the game, and just make a phone call. Set up a moment to to clear the air. It's a beautiful thing. Number five, resist compromise. We need to resist compromise. This is the last one. I think the key to this is just be an honorable person. Be an honorable person. Don't just do honorable things. You know, if you go to Fred Meyer after church and you see the other lane open up, you're like, I just remember this. And you're like, go ahead. And then you think, yes, I nailed it. I'm so honorable. You know, I did it. You just missed the point, you know. And we do this all the time. Don't just do honorable things. Be an honorable person. Jesus comes as a suffering servant. He doesn't just serve us occasionally. He is a servant at his core. It's what defines him. And in the end, you guys, here's the deal. In the end, you will not beat this. If you struggle with this, if you're like, listen, I get it, Brian. I don't like authority. I have issues with honor. I don't honor the people in my life. You're not going to you're not going to kick this by just being more honorable. You're not going to kick this by changing your behavior. In the end, what has to happen is we need to come to terms with who Jesus is, all that he has saved us from, come to terms with our sinfulness and our brokenness. And when we understand the the vast chasm between God's grace and our depravity, and and we, we receive the grace of Jesus, all of a sudden we start acting more honorable. All of a sudden, we aren't so proud because we go, listen, I know who I am. I know I'm a mess. And so who am I to run to the front of the room? Who am I to take the best seats in the house? Who am I to think that I should be first on the highway or first off the airplane or, you know, first out of the grocery store? Who am I? I've been saved from so much. And so really, again, it's not just changing your behavior, changing how you act. It is actually understanding that you have been honored. You've been lifted up. You've been raised up with Christ. And so we will be a people of honor. I think Philippians 2, 5 is the most profound scripture about this in, in, in the whole Bible. And so let me read this. Philippians 2, 5 says, Have the mind, this mind among yourselves, for which is yours in Christ Jesus, who though he was in the form of God, did not count equality with God a thing to be grasped but emptied himself by taking the form of a servant, being born in the likeness of men. And being found in human form, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. Therefore, God has highly exalted him and bestowed on him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God, the Father. Isn't that a beautiful passage? Jesus, God himself, goes from heaven, hearing holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, to earth, being hated by men, born in a manger, born as just this poor man, grew up to be a laborer, a carpenter, just doing work, you know? He lowered himself so that he might be exalted in the end. Did Jesus get exalted in the end? He did. 
He lowered himself and then he was exalted. And this is what this is what we have for us today. Jesus had unquestionable ascribed honor. He deserved honor in every way, both by his life and by his heritage. Jesus deserved honor. And instead, he placed his honor aside, humbled himself and came as a servant to humanity. Is that beautiful? Man, that's awesome. And if there's a theme that you guys keep hearing in this series, I feel like I was just thinking about this last night. I feel like this theme of pride is just it just keeps coming up in my heart. So I'm just going to keep talking about it. I hope you don't mind. But I feel like this is just a. I heard this quote this week. Um, I think it was an Augustine quote, but it said that pride is like a pregnant mother with all of the other sins. It's like pride is where it all comes from. Pride is what, you know, brought Satan. What created Satan is this idea that I could do this on my own, that I can I can I don't need you. It's it's where all sin is birthed is with pride. And so I feel like this is a this is a theme that we as a church want to focus on that. I personally I need to get a handle on this. And and here's the thing. I'm never going to succeed. It's never going to be like, hey, I nailed it. Kicked my pride. It's pretty awesome how I remember that season of pride that I used to be in. That's that's all better now. No more pride. Just awesome. No, man, we are we are proud people. And we put ourselves first all the time. And man, if we as a church can kick pride in any way by understanding God's grace and our depravity, not in a way that makes us less than where we're at, but in a way that understands our, our value as humans, as those who have been saved by Christ, but our deep debt to God that we could have never paid off on our own. Man, if we can live from there, I think we will be agents of hope and of honor and of peace in our society. And the church will do what it's called to do. It's going to be beautiful. So I'm excited about this next season. I, I, I just pray with you guys and for you that, that we would be able to lower ourselves and elevate others. That we would take the seat in the back of the room. Give somebody else the front seat. You know? And in that way, I think Jesus will lift us up and give us the grace that we need. Let me pray for us. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for your grace. We thank you for football and a great day as we look forward to that. God, we ask that you would speak to our hearts, that we could just enjoy the rest of this day. Father, that we be people of honor in our homes, in our workplaces. We be people of honor in our church. Everywhere we go, God, that we would be an outbreak of honor and that the world would see this within the church as we reflect Christ who lowered himself, who gave up his position to be a servant to humanity. Father, would we lower ourselves and become servants to each other? And God, in that way, could we just have peace and trust, God, that the rest is up to you? We are just merely bond servants to Jesus. You've paid for us with a price, God. And so we just follow you. God, I pray for those in this room that, that don't know you, God, that, that are just checking out church. God, I pray that you would speak to their hearts today, Father. I pray that they would get a sense of the, the honor that you want to bestow on them. God, that you desire to lift us all up, to give us grace, to wash us clean, to forgive us for all of our mistakes. God, to give us peace and a new way of living. Father, you, you offer us the best. I pray we choose that today as a church. We pray it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Love you guys. Thanks.